Hey everyone, on this episode of Another Way to See It, the coaches are happy to welcome Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, known on Instagram as Long Distance Love Bombs. Jeremy was my coach through the pandemic and has a very special way of making the work feel whimsical, magical, and full of possibility. Jeremy describes himself professionally as a recovering scientist turned life coach, spoken word poet, podcast host, who's trying to make kindness cool. He's a delightful and authentic human, the kind the world needs more of. All of his contact info is listed in the show notes. We hope you enjoy this fun episode with Jeremy Goldberg. Here's a sneak peek of the lovely brilliance that Jeremy really is in his own words. I'm a compassion cultivating day making change agent. I'm an empathy collecting anti quitting word wizard. I'm a ferocious love bombing kindness pirate. I'm a a connoisseur of fine silver linings. Thanks for tuning in to the Another Way to See It podcast. I'm Kim Moran, joined by Tara Jones and Randy Poindexter. We're life coaches talking about issues we deal with personally and professionally, hoping to offer you some tips and tools that help you to thrive. We are so happy to have you with us, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. Welcome to Another Way to See It. We're we're doing it now? We're live? We're in uh thank you for having me i appreciate your invitation uh <laughs> <laughs> so no, this is going to be so great i love it's an this. honor to be here yeah I'm, I'm excited to chat with you i genuinely have only just met randy poindexter and tara jones or tara jones i don't even know how to say tara, her name tara jones but yeah. uh this feels fun and uh spontaneous i suppose and I'm I'm excited to to jam with you guys. That's great. That's how kind of how we like to do it. We we love to just follow the thread and see what arises. Yeah, sounds good. So, Is there a specific like category of uh, topic or individual that you are all targeting or like that you want to jam on today? I'll let you. I mean, there's three of yeah. you. Why so don't you I just have guide some questions me? for you. I have some questions for you. I'm taking this back. I'm taking control. Okay. So you have a doctor in front of your name. And I want to know the story of how you got to become Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. Okay. Uh, Where to begin with that one? So in my former life, I was a scientist. So now I'm kind of a, a goofy online life coach, podcast host, spoken word poet that's trying to make kindness cool and compassion popular. But in my previous life, I was a scientist. So I worked around the world on coral reef ecosystems for over a decade. I lived and worked near the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. I spent a couple of years in the South Pacific in American Samoa, doing project and grant management, working for their government, the Department of Commerce down there. I lived in Thailand for a while lived on a boat in Thailand. Uh, I worked for universities and governments, nonprofits. And that was my jam. I was just sort of a science dork. So I got my bachelor's and then worked for a while, got my master's, worked for a few years. And in that field, your education level is somewhat of a glass ceiling barrier to better jobs, better pay, more exciting opportunities. And so I just kept advancing along that way. And um, applied for a PhD program in 2000 and 
10 or 11. And then just moved back to Australia and got my key card swipe in thing from the government facility and devoted time, energy, soul, heart, <laughs> years of my life to writing a thesis. And, um, and so I did a thesis about behavior change, specifically looking at the people of the Great Barrier Reef and why we do the things that we do, how our attitudes affect our actions and exploring how we can communicate more effectively to really get people to understand themselves and also to make better decisions from an environmental context. So the research focused on psychology, marketing, communication, a whole bunch of random stuff, smushed together with time and pressure. And, uh, and then I walked across a stage and they gave me a degree. And we're like, you're now uh, a doctor. And, uh, and that's fucking cool on that day. Yeah, I love it. And I was sort of under the impression that it had more to do with marine biology for some reason. So I'm really glad you clarified it because it's not a huge jump, right? From what you were doing to what you're doing now. Like what's the... Yeah, so I, I have worked for different departments doing that kind of stuff, like in the water. Like I got paid to scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef and it was fucking outrageous and I couldn't believe my life. Uh, for a while. Um, But then I basically, towards the end of my uh, graduate studies, towards like when I was writing up my thesis, it's really difficult. And it's a grind in my experience. And I was burnt out and I was tired. And I'd been working on the same project for five years at that time. I was over it. And so I started this side project called Long Distance Love Bombs, which was just me being distracted from writing a thesis and making a bit of side money and trying to do some good in the world and having fun and experimenting. And it just like, my heart was just being pulled in that direction. And um, I started sharing in my own odd and entertaining manner, all of the things that I had been learning about behavior change, psychology, psychological theory, et cetera. And I was trying to apply it in a, in a more universal context that wasn't like dry and academic. Um, so as an example, there's a, a, a psychological theory called the theory of planned behavior that's been used for decades across multiple uh, fields of study and inquiry. And I updated that and I referred to it as the, um, the terrible turd trio is what I called it. And that there was a big bastard limiting belief, which is not how it appeared in the scientific literature, but it was the way that I helped to remember it. And so basically what I do with my work is live a life, make a bunch of mistakes, learn some shit, write it up in, in a entertaining manner that hopefully helps people to understand or remember uh, it for the future. And then I just like iterate that. That's basically what I do. I just wander around trying to uh, break stuff and then fix it and then share my experience. It's so much better that way, Jeremy, because, you know, this work can be so fucking dry and Mm. it can be like so serious too, you know, and day after day to hold the seriousness of, of people trying to change their lives or live their truth or whatever gets a little bit like heavy, you know? So I appreciate your uh, ability to take something really potentially heavy and uncomfortable and make it funny, but 
also that is what helps us remember, you know, these things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys get it as coaches and like holding space, hearing lots of stories, living lives, paying attention. Like there's a lot, a lot going on. And so mm. I think there is like a, a sort of widely accepted, but minimally questioned ideal that like doing the work has to be difficult, scary, hard, right. uh, terrifying, uh, a lot of, a lot of effort, exhausting. And, uh, and to some extent it does require discomfort and uncertainty and courage, but I think you, we can also paint things or reframe them through a lens of levity and fun and lightheartedness, I guess. Like, yeah, everything's, everything's fucked right now. My life fell apart. And like, I've been crying all day long. I'm like, (laughs) how absurd am I? Like, I'm just in the, I call it the Valley of the suck. And it's like, yeah, you're fully alive and you're experiencing human things. And you probably prefer not to be feeling as deeply as you are, but like, can we all just like have a laugh that that right. we're alive in the first place and that water comes out of our eyeballs and that, you know, our hearts can break. It's just so miraculous to me. And so I try to perhaps as a coping mechanism, remind myself when I'm feeling downtrodden or despondent that like, it's still fucking cool to be able to feel those things. Well, I think that they're just to jump in here real quick. I, it's really what I appreciate about, you know, I follow you on Instagram and there's a a raw humanness to that that you're bringing to the table and i think it's so refreshing because of all that you just said we have to we have to bring when all those things happen while when our life is falling apart the fact of being just human and there's nothing wrong there's nothing broken it's just you know landing in that place and there's it's refreshing to see someone out there you know, talented enough. Cause I, I know that it's, it's like skirting the, the thin line of revealing too much about yourself and then also making light, you know, you don't want to put someone down, but also just making mm-hmm. light of this human experience. Um, it's, I, I find it, uh, admirable someone that can do that. So definitely Thanks. appreciate your work. Yeah, it is a delicate dance, right? Between yeah. just keep your chin up and spiritually bypass all of your emotions and experiences. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, don't worry about that. It's good. You're alive. Just ignore it. It'll go away. And that's not what I'm suggesting. Just to clarify, if anybody's listening, is confused. I'm saying is like, feel it intensely. Feel it deeply. Be present. Pay attention. Have self-awareness. And also recognize that like, life is weird, you know, and that I just find it helpful to, and maybe in a way of entertainment, I suppose, when I'm in those moments and when I've had, had those experiences where I've caught myself looking around just like, God, everything's fucked. Like er- everything's fucked right now. How is this happening? And like, it's bemusing or amusing. I don't know the right word, but I've been to some like dark moments in my life and you just kind of look around and like, you know, you have to laugh. It's like, really? 
like really and then you think it's you've hit rock bottom and the universe is just like <laughs> your car just broke down or like your <laughs> your cat just died or like huh, food poisoning and it's like come on and there's some kind of dark humor or you know serendipitous hilarity about how things have played out for me and i'm sure for all of you listening and here it's like life is just is surreal right and so i think our job is to attempt to navigate that human experience the best that we can and in doing so i believe it's also a foundational component of connection because it helps us to empathize with the experience of other people it's like oh you're in the dark hole in the valley of the suck like oh shit you're grieving oh your cat just died oh food poisoning i've been there i've allowed myself to feel deeply like i know what that's like and so consequently i can see you as a person having a human experience not just as a widow or someone that has depression or somebody that's broke or whatever those are just sort of superficial veneers on top of the actual heart and soul that we all have and so i think it's just a core part of the world that i want to try to build moving forward and i think there's a general lack of it um because we get caught up in the social and cultural norms associated with the madness of modern civilization and so i kind of see myself as this little voice being like um can we just be fucking kinder to each other like I think we right. missed that part of the <laughs> of the ride. Uh, can we step back and like remember that these countries they're just imaginary lines drawn on a map that they don't they aren't real uh, and that like we're all human trying to not cry today. Uh, can we can we just be a little bit more chill with one another in a meaningful manner? Um, and as a consequence of the absurdity of our existence, my mission to make kindness cool has become kind of somewhat revolutionary or revelatory in an odd way where people are like, I really appreciate, and I, I do appreciate your, your comment, Tara. It's like, oh, you're so real and you're so honest. And I'm just kind of like, can we all just do that? Like, can we try? And so... I'm just trying to live in a way that I believe in. Uh, Albert Schweitzer has this great line that says, my life is my argument. And so the way that I interpret that is we get to create the world that we want to live in by how we are in it and the actions that we take and the way that we show up for ourselves and each other. And so if your life is your argument, what do you stand for? right? Like, who are you? What do you believe in from a values perspective, from a moral perspective, from an ancestral, you know, future ancestor perspective? Anyway, I'm rambling. Someone get me back on track. <laughs> I, I, what are I we talking about? Yeah, I have a question for you. So when you, you are a spoken word artist, you're a writer, you clearly have a voice maybe you weren't always as real as you are now. Right. And what is that even because it, it reveals itself every day 
right? Who, what real means. I mean, obviously there's a core, but when did you, were you like this as a kid or when did you find your voice that you use now? Um, my mom likes to tell this story that when I was like three years old, and this is like part of the, the family lore, you know, I was there, but I wasn't really there. I was three, but she says repeatedly, perhaps annually, she will tell this story to me at your third birthday party. She doesn't really talk like that but for context, <laughs> right? At your third birthday party, uh, every gift that you opened, you were so excited to receive, even though you already had some of the presents or even though you didn't really love the gift, you treated the other people like nicely and you were so grateful and thoughtful. And my mom turned to me and said, I hope he's always as kind as he is right now. So this is like part of the Goldberg mythology, but I was not always as kind as I was then. I've kind of had a, a little dip. That was like maybe a peak and perhaps I'm starting to peak again over the last couple of years, but there was definitely some, some struggle and darkness in the middle there where I was um, just lost and confused and angry and drinking too much and uh, didn't have mentors that I loved and respected. I was kind of just blindly figuring things out, you know, lone wolf style and reading and I don't know, making mistakes and being objectionable. So one thing I did start doing though, was when I was traveling in my twenties, I started a blog and I started writing um, little updates because that for those listening back in the day, the internet was something you had to pay for at a special type of business and that your email was not something you checked every day even. Uh, so I would go to like internet cafes every three days when I was traveling and I would knock out like a blog post basically to let my family know that I was alive and also to let them know like where in the world I was. So my mom was like, I don't want to know where you are or what you're doing, but just like every few days, let me know you're alive and you're safe. I was like, okay, cool. And so I was writing these blog posts and it got to a point where my voice was evolving and I was trying to figure out how to tell the story or something neat happened. And I was trying to explain it in a way that I wanted to convey the sensation so that they could live vicariously through me. And so that I would also have like a time capsule to look back on of, of my traveling. And then people started following that blog who I didn't know. And like friends of mine would send certain articles or little posts to other friends. And then I would get messages from people like, oh man, I love that you're doing this. Or that really resonated with me. Or you've helped me see this in a new perspective. And so that was like my first glimpse of, uh, of like the possibility of the, of the power of the written word, I suppose. And so I blogged for years. I was living overseas. Like I was living in the South Pacific. I had a blog and nearly got fired from the government because they discovered it. And that's a whole separate story, <laughs> but kept writing, kept writing. And then um, have always just really been a fan of words. Like I remember buying CDs. So CDs are like MP3s <laughs> in physical format for those youngsters listening. Um, and you open the CD case and it has like the song lyrics in the front. And I remember playing the album and just memorizing the words and, and then trying to like reverse engineer why I like certain songs and why certain lyrics landed in a certain way. And I loved the profundity of 
certain quotes that were so short, but had such an impact on me that really shifted my perspective. Like, God, why is that so deep? You know, it's only six words and it's so simple. Um, and then, yeah, during my thesis, I was obviously writing every day, uh, science stuff for years, but then I just started sort of honing my voice through Instagram and Facebook and, um, trying to really find my own voice, which starts as an adaptation or a, an unintentional impersonation of other voices that I admire and respect. And so through that process of trial and error, I kind of have arrived at my own unique voice and I try to stay in that lane as much as possible. And so one way I do that is, for example, if I write something on Instagram and I, I write a caption, I want people to, if they had like a, you know, like a taste test, if you put like six beers in front of someone or six grape juices, it's like, which one's the, I don't know, the, the local brand. I want them to be able to like, it's that one. So if you put six Instagram captions in front of someone, it's like, which one did Jerry write? It's like, he wrote that one. That one's, that one's definitely him. And so that's another way that I've tried to cultivate my voice through the years as a means of like identifying my own body of work, but also standing out from the masses uh, of social media. I love I it. Know if, I don't know if any of that is helpful, but. No, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's something as coaches, people are like, I don't know how to speak my yeah. truth. I don't know how to do that. And it's something that's very relevant. I think you're quite accurate in saying well, cause you, you learn how to speak your truth by speaking your truth. Like the end, like you learn how to ride a bike by getting on the fucking bike. And so for me, I've put in hundreds of reps on Instagram over the years of just like, I showed up, I wrote a thing. I showed up, I wrote a thing. I showed up, I wrote a thing. Like that's it. And so in this personal development business also, like you are the brand, like people are hiring you literally, like they want to work with you. They want what you have. And so the more that you can cultivate an authentic representation of what you are, both by cultivating an awareness of, of who you are internally, but then an awareness externally of how you express that and how you show up in the world, that's the secret sauce. Like I always joke that personal development is business development in this industry. Like it's the same shit. And so the more that I can learn about myself, the more that I can unpack and understand, the more that I can help other people do that, the more content that I have. Like I, I've probably joked to you, Kim, it's like, it's all content. Yeah, like yeah. It's all content. Like that heartbreak, like, oh, it's going to be a good post one day. And so that's another way that I help to reframe things in my own life. Of like, this is, this is useful. This is happening in a way that I can utilize moving forward. And even occasionally, I'll, I will literally say that to myself. Like, this is going to be mm. a great TED talk one day. Like, <laughs> I just gotta, I just gotta survive the next six months. It's going to be very inspiring. Like, I'm in an inspiring story right now, but I just haven't quite figured out the inspiring part. Like, I'm still in the, in the. I think I'm drowning in terror part. Well, that's uh, that. That makes me ask a like think about a question is. Um, do you find that you can write when you're in the middle of your shit or do yeah. you, do you have a rhythm of, you know, putting it out to the world 
after you come out of it, after you have some deeper realizations? Both. Yeah. So I can write while I'm in it for sure. But as a rule, I think Brene Brown talks about this of sharing from the scar or writing from the wound, or maybe Mm. that's my own interpretation of that. So I can write from the wound when I'm in the, in this place and it's powerful and raw and genuine, but I won't share that with the public or, or with anyone really until I've healed that part or have gotten over that thing. And then I find that the intention is, is from a more pure place for me individually. So when I'm in it, when I'm wounded, I have found that occasionally I would share something under the guise of being like, oh, this is helpful or this will, this will reach a lot of people. But really it was like, I need to be seen and validated and told that I'm great and um, gain external love. Because in that moment I was feeling not good enough, bad, et cetera. Right. Whereas if I can, that's great insight. Yeah. If I can move past it, revise it, edit it, perhaps be like, uh, you don't want to share that sentence about your ex. (laughs) Like that is, that's from a jealous, angry place. Like, let's not put that in there and then kind of wrap it in a, in a more sincere place of, um, pure intention. Like, here's something that happened. Here's what I learned. Here's how I think it can help you. And like, off you go into the world. That's for me, at least that's my process. I know other people. That's a great process. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's a great process. And it's something that I, I'm still refining my voice and, and also refining like what my, what my pains and struggles can be to the outside world, like how I can help people. And, um, I do find it really hard to find any kind of inspiration of help when I'm in a painful place. So it's, it's interesting to hear, do you write from a wound or a scar? Because that is exactly kind of how it feels. And when you get to the scar place, there's a lot more clarity of where you're coming from. Yeah. And you have the material already. I think it was Hemingway talks about like write drunk, edit sober, something like this. And so it's a similar idea, right? So you, you're creating content, you're using it, you're moving through it, you're journaling, whatever, it's all content, right? And so then you get to decide what or, or how much of yourself you're sharing with the world, right? And, and to your point about, like, is this helpful? Is it useful? Sometimes the most powerful thing is simply like, here is a raw page of a word salad from my journal that just shows you a glimpse into what grief looks like. And there's nothing helpful in there. I have nothing good to say about grief, but uh, here's my unique take on how terrible it is. And someone reading that might be like, oh, thank God. I'm tired of trying to work through it. And I'm tired of the silver lining. And I'm tired of Jeremy Goldberg's Instagram with his little silliness. And like, I just need to connect with somebody who's like in it, right? And then it's like, they find your, your stuff or that post specifically. And it's like, yes, that somebody has put words to what I've been feeling, but haven't been able to describe, which I think as a writer is like one of the highest compliments that, and like, how did you get into my brain? Right. Something like that. And then again, you just try shit. 
So like throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's like, oh, nobody liked that post. Okay. Like, let me try it this way. Well, that's what I, that's what's like the reoccurring theme that I'm hearing. Um, and it's one of my favorite words I talk about all the time, but you're leading with curiosity, right? So you're embracing the suck in the present. You're navigating. You're not deflecting it. You're not running from it. You're not using distraction, drugs, alcohol, any of that. You're working through it. And that's where the creativity comes from with how much you share is up to you, but you, you go through it, right? Like you don't, you don't sit there and take it and be like, yeah, I'm not dealing with that shit today. You know, and, and it might be a timeline thing, whether you might not do it right then and there, but you're going to work through it. And I was, I was going through your Instagram and I came across this one um, post you did and it's courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway. Stupidity is the same. And that's why life is hard. Yeah. Can, can we, can we talk about this? Like it, it just seems to flow to this. Um, Cause I didn't know if I was going to bring it up or not, but like, we're talking about life is hard and it's not all fucking sunshine and rainbows and there's a lot of suck to it. Yeah. So, like so how, how can we, how, how can no we navigate that? And you, you kind of already said it. So I'll, I'll see if you bring it back up along the lines of where I'm going with it. Yeah. Like one thing that's cool about that quote is like, I remember where I was when I wrote that and I was doing my PhD, I was laying on my bed, I was like belly down and it just like entered my brain and I wrote it down and I posted on Instagram and like, you know, people liked it or whatever, but nothing crazy happened. And then like three or four years went by and somebody shared it again and tagged me in it. And I was like, oh yeah, I wrote that. Like, that's pretty cool. Like I haven't read it in a while. And then like, that's my most popular thing I've ever written in terms of virality. Like it just went fucking everywhere. I was getting tagged in huge accounts. And like that, that specific quote for whatever reason has landed in so many people's laps. And I share that not to like boast of my clout, but just to offer that the powerful thing about the internet is like, it's forever. And so something that I wrote years ago, uh, it, I try to write stuff that's evergreen that will just remain so you could pick it up at any time and it'll help connect or it'll land. Right. And so you might write something about grief, Tara, that, that like doesn't make a huge splash, but then society changes or one person reads it and sends it to one person and then it makes a huge splash. So we never really know, but yeah, to your to your question, I just think that that at the time, I remember it like popped in my head and I wrote it out and I just like went <laughs> like that to myself, just like, <laughs> that's it. It's just, I don't know. It just seems hard and brave at the same time. And it seems intelligent and stupid at the same time. And life is just this odd paradoxical ride and that we don't really know how it's going to go. I know that in my life, I have made decisions that felt right, well analyzed, reasonable. And I look back and I'm like, that was so dumb. Like, why did you do that? And other times I look back and think, uh, this is totally immature. This is outrageous. This is nonsensical. There's no like reasonable reason for you to make this decision right now. And yet there is this little heart whisper inside 
And I was like, fuck it. Like my buddies and I used to say, fuck it, bucket. It's like, fuck it, bucket. You only live once. Here we go. And then in retrospect, looking back, that was the best decision of my life because it led me to meet this person or have this experience and ding, 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 and you connect the dots only in hindsight, right? Which makes things so challenging. So I don't know. I don't know how to do life. I'm trying to figure that out with the rest of us, but I am continually captivated by the possibility that stupidity is the best thing you could pursue and that reason and maturity and analysis can occasionally be the worst decision. And so the way that I've kind of navigated all of that moving forward is like heart whispers and fear shouts. So I try to follow this inner heart compass more and more where when I get still and feel God, like what feels like the most genuine next invisible step on the path. And it like oftentimes makes no sense. It oftentimes is confusing or confronting or ridiculous or in contradiction to the path that I've currently been on. Like sometimes it's like, Oh, you need to take a step back. It's like, what? No, like that. No, we're here. No, we were just there, right? But that inner knowing is like, this is the way forward. And so I'm trying to navigate in that manner because mm-hmm. I feel like when you when I do that, I'm connected to like the broader mystery, you know, that I'm curious about to use your favorite word, Randy. It's like, I'm curious about why I'm being pulled to, this way in this manner to go do this thing like huh and what if i trusted that and huh in my life there's been various times when i have had this experience or this pull and i've answered the call and it's resulted in complete treasure and whimsy and joy and life-changing bliss and it's like maybe i can do that again i don't know well, that makes what you, me. What do you think? Like, well, what do you three think? Well, do I was. But no, <laughs> I was actually um, wanting to ask because uh, listening to that quiet heart whisper is so important. But it is a skill. Yes. And and do you have for the audience? Do you have any advice of practices that is like your go-to practice when it when it all gets chaotic or it's too much? or you're just confused and you're, you're, you're needing to get quiet. Is there a practice that is your go-to? Yeah. It's a really good question because if you have experienced trauma, for example, or your nervous system is dysregulated at a significant level, then you might mistake those heart whispers for danger. Right. And so you might be at a heightened state of sensitivity and So you would need to navigate that through healing modalities, therapy, somatic work, breath work, and the rest to attempt to settle the the inner nervous system, I suppose, and to heal that trauma. So I suppose that's a starting point. And for me personally, I'm big on meditation. Um, I just sit (laughs) and and just be, I call it presence practice or awareness practice, because I find when I reframe it in that way, it sounds much more palatable than meditation. It was like, oh man, those fucking hippies and the gurus and the like floating cloud guys, like, yeah, 
But if it's presence practice, then I'm, there's something about that where I'm like, that's cool. Presence practice that rolls off the tongue. Sounds like a brand. Uh, I'd put it on a t-shirt. Like, I don't know. So those little subtle shifts. The other thing that I like is being outdoors. So if I can go on hikes or runs or have adventures outside, um, anything that, that would help you to get into your body in the present moment. So my partner is big on hit workouts and running and doing Muay Thai fighting and all kinds of active shit. And she really finds benefit in that manner to move her energy that way and to connect with what's real because in those activities, she's able to move through it and unpack the energies and cry and, and thrash and moan and like get at to at what's real beneath all of that stuff. Um, so it's different for the person, but some people like to paint, some people like saunas or cold plunges. Um, yeah. Community, you know, doing stuff in a group. Um, anything that can help you um, tap into that deeper knowing, I suppose that embodied kind of vibe or sense or like understanding, I suppose that's like this, that sovereignty, right? Where you're like, I'm going here. I'm supposed to go there. It's happening. And all around you is the chatter and the fear shouting in your mind and your friends and colleagues and all these things. And it's like, I'm going. So one example for me was when I was finishing my thesis, I sat in the office of my supervisor and we were talking about the future. And she's like, so what jobs are you going to apply for? And I just was numb and felt sick to my stomach and was like, I don't know. And she's like, what are you, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I think I'm just going to buy a van and drive around for a while. And she looked at me and very maternally with care and tenderness was like, but Jeremy, how are you going to make money? And I just sort of blankly stared back at her. Like, I don't know. Like I, I genuinely don't know, but I'm supposed to right now fuck off and go live in a van for a couple months. Like it makes no sense to me, but this is what I'm supposed to do. Man, that sounds and, familiar. <laughs> did you do that too? I was going to, but uh, direction correction, I wound up in the middle of a nowhere town uh, doing a house. So yeah. um, the, the thought was definitely there. And it's just the, the synchronicity of it is something about just like walking away from life and taking that pause to shut out the outside noise. And it yes. looks different for everybody, but mine was going to be a van. Yours was going to be a van, you know, and, and just to figure out how to shut off the outside noise to really listen to that inner voice that you've been speaking of. I, I think there's something magical about it. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, a three month journey in a van. It can be like, I'm going to rent a hotel room in the next mm. town over mm. or just go somewhere I've never been and walk around the street for a while or go to a park or go eat a restaurant I've never been to, to just step out of the frame, right? Helps you see the picture of your life. And so yeah. talking to new people, hiring a coach like you three is helpful to offer new perspectives, joining a group program, getting a therapist, just helping yourself develop that sense of curiosity for what might be possible or what might be different uh, if you just looked at it a little bit more carefully. Yeah. 
And I like, I like that you brought up that everyone can do it differently because I'll, I'll lean towards breath work. I do also do a shaking practice, really get my nervous system activated. Nature Mm -hmm. is my, my place of slowing down, but working with clients is like, well, are you a runner? Do you need to move your body? You know, it's always, there's such a, a generalization, like you should meditate more. Well, sometimes that is just not the thing that you need to be doing. It's going to jack up the system when the system needs to be released. So just uh, the fact that everyone has a, a different energy system, they move differently, but there, there, that intention, the intention needs to be there that it's not just, you're not just taking a run to forget about life, but it's actually intentionally taking a run to kind of align back in or get quiet with yourself or. Yeah. Like my partner space from your structure, the the patterns in your life. Totally. My, my partner, Kendra will be like, I'm going to go for a cry. She's just, she's really good crier. She's a crier. And that's how she moves energy and things. And she's really good at that. And so she'll go for a jog and come back feeling like a different person. Right. Mm. Um, And so I guess one way that I would offer somebody listening is, it's like, it's about developing a lot of different tools or like buying a bigger toolbox. So it's like, okay, life has just smacked me in the side of the head unexpectedly. What do I need? Do I need a cold shower? Do I need to meditate? Do I need a boxing class? Do I need to call my friend? Do I need to eat some food? You have uh, a more diverse set of options from which to draw upon. And so, yeah, sometimes Tara, it's like, fuck meditation. I don't want to, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to be in this house. Like I'm, I need to get out. And it's like, get in the car, go for a drive, go. Um, one thing I'm a fan of is like shouting in a forest or like climbing a mountain and just grunting the whole way up. And I jokingly refer to it as a moose mating call where it's like this deep guttural, like release, you know, you, you mentioned tremor release, but I think sound release is a big one too. Um, so I've had clients, uh, scream into a pillow. It's like, go get a pillow. Like go get like right now, like go get your fucking pillow and go scream into it for a minute and like, then come back and we'll chat. And so whatever helps you to move that. Right. And it's hard because sometimes our society, right. Anger, for example, is not widely recognized as an admirable thing. And so I think many of us have a dysfunctional relationship with anger and it's like, a lot of us just need to like beat the hell out of a pillow or scream into a pillow or like (laughs) go and go to a boxing class And I imagine you're going to feel a whole lot better about a whole lot of things because it's just pent up inside of us. So, yeah. I kind of want to shift gears a little bit, if that's okay with everybody. A lot of your uh, work on Instagram talks about getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I wanted to talk about your first podcast and some, uh, if you remember who, who was your first guest on your first podcast, and even probably that was something maybe that was a little bit scary to do. And then you've done hundreds of podcasts. So I'm sure there have been moments of you just being 
surprised or shocked or, you know, uncomfortable, but I'm, it's got to have been a process that was a big learning curve and sometimes very uncomfortable. You want to talk yeah. about that? Sure. hundred percent. So years ago, you're asking about my podcast that I host the first guest. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So years ago, the, um, like the me too thing was kicking off and there was an entire movement happening and women were, uh, were right, rightfully angry and making a, uh, making a bunch of statements, but I wasn't seeing too many men at that time speaking out and, and talking about it and sharing their voice. And so I text a buddy of mine, uh, named Mark Groves, who I, who's the mayor of Instagram. Uh, it's what I jokingly refer to him as. And I was like, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And he's like, yeah, of course. Do you have a podcast? And I was like, no, but I'm starting a podcast and like, you can be the first guest. And so that was, I think like a Friday, Saturday, I literally Googled, how do you start a podcast? Just read a bunch of stuff. Sunday, uh, interviewed him at his house. And, uh, I didn't even know what I was doing. And he's like, are you going to do the intro now or later? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I've never really done this. And he just grabbed the mic and was like, I got it, man. Like I'll, I'll, I'll lead this. And, uh, and we had a great conversation. And then on Monday I Googled, like, how do you put audio out into the world? Cause I wasn't aware of podcast hosting platforms or like audio engineering, any of this stuff. And then it was like, what do you call the podcast? I was like, Oh shit. Like I, I'd filled out all the thing and pushed publish. And it was like, what's the name of the podcast? And I was like, what do I call it? So anyway, just like tried a bunch of stuff and it was all super uncomfortable. And it forced me to confront the stories that I had about what it meant to put a podcast out. So I had these stories that it's hard and it's scary and it's complex. And it's really not. You like buy a microphone, read some shit on Google and like away you go. And it's hard until it's done. And then once it's done, you know how to do it. And it's very easy to do it again. And so that was the first one and it was super uh, fun and awkward. And I've even like, I can't remember. I think like in, in the first 10, I had completely had, so I have a microphone like this and I had completely had it on the wrong setting and the audio sounded terrible. And I didn't realize it until the end of the conversation or like the next day. And I felt such shame and embarrassment and disappointment and, I was like, well, this feels awful and it sounds not ideal and I'm not going to make that mistake again. So every time I like, I check the setting now. And so it was just a way for me to learn. And yeah, I've now recorded 170 episodes and I've been a guest on like 50 or 60 podcasts and it's all happened. But the way that I started it was, this guy, Tim Ferriss has a huge podcast and he suggests that when you begin things, you commit to doing six or 10 reps. Kim, I may have said this to you actually, when you, when you were beginning. Um, so like, if you just commit to one and you try it and you don't love it, you'll just quit. Right. Whereas if you commit to six or 10, it forces you to get over that initial hump and actually feel what it's like to be a podcast host. And so 
I've embraced that with a lot of stuff. So if you're um, signing up for guitar lessons or whatever, like commit to six lessons. If you're going to the gym, like commit to six workouts, whatever. So I think that's really helpful. So what was the most uncomfortable or surprising podcast episode? You don't, I mean, you don't have to say who it was. You can sort of say like what it was about or what you know what's cool. I've never told this story in public. public. Okay. Uh, I interviewed this dude who will remain nameless. Okay. But who is a pretty renowned person. It is not like an average Joe. And I got introduced to this person by another person who is also renowned, like who you would likely know their name. Right. So I was stoked. I was like, this is going to be great. Uh, I was also at that time in quarantine in Vancouver by myself. So we have this uh, conversation and it's going all right. And I'm excited. And this person is uh, older than me. So there's like a generation thing. And at some point, gosh, this is so uncomfortable for me to share. Um, <laughs> at at some point, this individual interpreted something that I said sarcastically as being sincere. Oh, so no. I said something like, well, gosh, you're a real, what did I say? Something like, wow, you're, you're real optimistic or God, you're a ray of sunshine. It was something like that. And then it went downhill very fast. And this person, this person lost their fucking mind and was screaming at me and foaming at the mouth and shouting that, that they are not one of my little whores on Instagram. (laughs) And it, it was outrageous. I was like sitting there holding space and just like telling myself inside this is not about you. Like, this is not about you. If you get angry, he wins. If you get angry, he wins. Like, just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. And like watching this diatribe. And I was just like, holy shit. And then he's gone. He just disappeared off of my screen. And I was like, what just happened? And I text his assistant. And his Wi-Fi of his house somehow dropped out. And so he just vanished. And I just, so I was sitting there alone, staring at the screen, uh, seeing myself in the screen, just like, oh my God, like, what do I, and it's still recording. And I'm like, well, um, thanks for coming by. Uh, I guess we'll conclude that. I'm like, what do I do with this audio? So it's just, it's sitting on my hard drive and I have it. And I show, actually, I showed Mark Groves at his house once. I was like, dude, check this out. <laughs> um, Could he relate? Yeah. Did he relate to that? Did he ever have anything like uh, we, that? No, I, I don't think so. Because it's so unexpected. And it's so, uh, like, you get to a certain level of professionalism, right? Or just expectations where you're like, if you're going to be on a podcast, if you're going to host a podcast, uh, you you know how to like human, right? And I think for whatever reason, maybe I caught this person at a bad day. They haven't been sleeping. They're grieving. I don't know what happened, but it was very surreal. 
Mm. So that was definitely the weirdest one. There's been a lot of smaller ones where like I once, uh, I'd once prepared, I had this woman, um, Julie Lithcott Hames, I think it's her. her I heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I had prepared for her as a parenting expert and I had questions and I was like, I was ready. And then right before we go on where I'm right about to click record, she's like, Oh, you know, I'm so glad we're not going to talk about parenting on this one. I'm, I'm pretty sick of talking about that. And my heart just sank. And I was like, sorry. Um, just so we're clear, like, what do you think that we're going to talk about? And she's like, Oh, you know, kindness. And I was like, okay. Um, I am not, I'm not prepared for that at all. I have nothing to. So, so anyway, like being in the flow, going with where life takes you, I think is another skill set, right? Like, okay, this is supposed to happen, how it's happening and let's, let's ride. And it was awesome. On that episode, I think you discussed one of your more controversial posts also with her. Isn't that the one? Yeah. Yeah. You said, well, since we're going to do this, let's just do it. And I need someone to comment on this and work through this. Yes. That was awesome. Essentially. Yeah. I, I was like, well, since, since you're here and I've extended an invitation to several ap- academics and nobody has offered to come on the podcast to discuss this. Like, can I ask you a really weird question about racism? And, uh, and so we went down this rabbit hole that was really uncomfortable for me. <laughs> and, uh, but really, I think really great content. And so it worked out in that way too. Like I couldn't have predicted that I couldn't have anticipated that. And so in life, I think we have this tendency to try to control everything and be in charge of everything when, you know, there's so much more out there happening that we cannot fathom with our tiny little minds. Mm. Like one thing I've thought about since I'm just completely off the rails on this one, I hope this is helpful and useful, but um, you guys are great. You bring out the weirdest in me, but I think about this idea how So sound, for example, sound exists and we know that it exists because we have ears, right? And we have the apparatus to detect sound. Same with smell. We have noses and olfactory parts of our nervous system and brain. And so like, what if there was other stuff happening in the universe? Consciousness, uh, intuition, astrology, whatever, some whimsical universal thing that is occurring, but we tiny human beings on this weird spinning planet simply lack the ability or the uh, equipment to process that. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like like that's something that's actually talked about, Jeremy. Is it? It's a thing. The the pineal gland, which Mm. everyone says is calcified and all of that, that might be an apparatus, like for an antenna, if you will. Like your appendix. It's like, we don't know what it does. You're like, that's that like, I need that sense of luck. Like that's your lucky charm. Like that's your rabbit's foot that you just carry around in your guts. I don't know. I love that. Well, I think there's, I think there's something about opening yourself up to possibility, you know, as, as we, my experience as, as I start to open up more and more into awareness and that presence of being in the moment and really sensing in there's other sensory, what, you, what you're saying, there's other parts of my body that is are receptive and are mm. receiving information. And I'm just only 
program through my nose, my eyes, my hearing, and also what I think of as hearing or what I think of as smelling when you actually allow yourself to just smell, if that makes sense, or allow your eyes to just look without this idea of seeing so much possibility starts opening up. So I think there's this practice in, in these things that we were talking about uh, that open up our awareness that like allows us to open up possibility of, of how, how much, how much is out there that we're not perceiving in, in, in every little moment. They also yeah. say your hair is supposed to be a receptor you know, for things. I mean, indigenous cultures believed that, right? So it was really horrible to cut their hair. So mm. I think it's a fascinating thing. And I also think that something that you love so much, which is words and language, we're trying to apply that to things that may be beyond the scope of words and language, right? Um, oftentimes, a somatic experience right. transcends the limitation of language, although people get really close you know, so often. Like, isn't that the first line in the Tao or one of the lines in the Tao is like that, which is the Tao is not the Tao. It's like, if it's named that it's not the thing yeah. for exactly that reason. It's like, like love. It's like, Oh, that's love. And you're like, what? Like, how do you possibly just make some squiggles and create a word? And it's like, that's the same for everybody. It's everything's kind of ineffable at some sense. Yeah. Makes things interesting. It does. I mean, it makes it you know, back to the human experience of, of the realness. That's that's the realness. It's like just boiling it down. If you think about every human on the earth is having its own perspective. Mm -hmm. and that's its own reality. And the, somehow that we all mesh together and, and create structure that makes sense to us. It's just can get really mind blowing when you just think how, how we even function at all together yeah that's um have you heard of the dictionary of obscure sorrows mm, it's a, it's a pretty that. random question it's a website it's a it's a guy that creates words to describe experiences moments etc that don't exist in the dictionary and one of his words is maybe my favorite word which is sonder s-o-n-d-e-r and Saunders like kind of become part of the vernacular. You see it in like songs or titles and things, but mm -hmm. Saunder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. And so every person in the supermarket, uh, every person in traffic, every background character in your life movie is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. They have dreams and hopes and heartbreaks and grief and feelings. Yeah. And that's like, when you really genuinely ponder that, I feel like it's impossible to not be compassionate. It's like, oh right. yeah, you're not just the asshole in front of me and on the freeway. <laughs> like you're just like me trying to figure out this weird thing. Right. Wow. And I've, I've caught myself, especially at the gate of an airport, just looking around being like, oh my God, where's everybody going? Who are they seeing? What are they feeling? It's almost too much right it's like we need to not think about each random passerby but i think i think i talked about that earlier with the 
imaginary lines on the map and this global community idea is like we're all trying our very best to do this weird un impossible thing right that is simultaneously stupid and courageous right <laughs> that doesn't make any sense mm. oh, i love it i know you are up to a lot of things so do you want to spend a couple of minutes just telling everybody what you're up to if there are things that you want to invite yeah. people to i don't know um what am i up to so i'm i'm writing my second book uh which is which is fun Ish. and hard. Uh, and I'm doing a, a retreat in the Caribbean with my friends Traver Baum and Leela Dilla over New Year's Eve, uh, December 27th to January 3rd. If any of you want to come along to that, it's the third one that we've done. We've done two others in Costa Rica and they're amazing and insane and people get tattoos to remember the event. So that's a big deal um, that I'm doing. I'm also going to Spain in July to lead a 10-day walking retreat that I do each year. Um, so that's happening. I'm going to teach some workshops in London, Amsterdam, and Scotland. If any of you are in those areas, I think that's going to happen. And uh, what else am I doing? I've just launched a group coaching program that by the time this comes out is probably passed, but that's kicking off May 9th. So that's a six month container called Bonfire, which is a brand new thing that I've never done before. And that feels scary and exciting and uncomfortable. And then, yeah, I've got the podcast, Long Distance Love Bombs podcast that, uh, that has a lot of people on it, a lot of episodes. If you like this one, you might like that one. Well, if you're still listening to me right now, <laughs> somehow, uh, bravo to you. Um, and also, um, there's more where that came from. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Long Distance Love Bombs. I have a newsletter. I've put a book out called It'll Be Okay and You Will Be Too. I think that's it. That's the main. I've like the standard personal development shit. Like I have a podcast and a nose ring and I wrote a book and like I'm so, on Instagram. So I had this question for you that we did. I didn't get to ask. How do you introduce yourself beyond your name? Like I am Jeremy Gold. I'm, I am Dr. Jeremy Goldberg and. Oh yeah. Do you want to hear? Yeah. I want to hear the whole thing. Um, I say, so like when I give talks, no, I'm just saying, meeting you on the street though. Let's do the street oh. version and then the talk version. I just say like, I'm Jeremy. Like, what do you mean? Like, Oh, Hey Jeremy, what do you do? Like I do lots of stuff. Uh, actually this did happen the other day. We were walking to a, um, it was rainy and it was night. And I went to a show with the musician and I was walking down the street with a buddy of mine that knows me really well. And a friend that he had just brought along for the evening who I was just kind of meeting and we're walking through down the middle of the street and it's drizzling and it's night. And she says that same thing. It's like, so like, what do you do? What's your deal? And because I was with my buddy and I was just wanted to fuck with her. I said, I'm a compassion cultivating day, making change agent. And she laughed. And I said, I'm an empathy collecting anti-quitting word wizard. I'm a ferocious love bombing kindness pirate. I'm a, a connoisseur of fine silver linings. And she was just like cracking up. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeremy. Uh, but when I give talks, it's like, I'm 
uh, recovering scientist turned life coach, spoken word poet, podcast host, trying to make kindness cool. Jeremy. Yeah. I love the first way. And I wish you would do a workshop on how people can cultivate like little riffs like that about themselves, because it really, what I'm most passionate about is like, how do we express what's really inside of us? Right. How do we break free from these labels that obviously are helpful, but also a hindrance. And I think what you said, it just really was so it, it really touched me. So please sign me up for your workshop on how to introduce well, your inner self, you know, because I think what, what's important for me is that as a collective humanity, that we stop attaching so much weight to these external things. And we start to really live like what you said, our truth. Yeah. And one of the ways is to be so creative and to really express that creativity about who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's just my playful way to, to express my version of that. And I think everybody can do it. I love the idea of a workshop. That's hilarious and fun. Um, but you, you often see like on Instagram, especially it's like, uh, I, I, I help blank get blank by blank and blank. Like I work with female, uh, huge apologies if any of you three have them. They teach us that in coaching school. I know, I know that they do. (laughs) They do. And like, you see it everywhere because everybody's doing it the same way. And so like, I see that and I'm like, no, like, like break the mold, right? Like start a, start a sentence differently, like mix it up a little bit. Um, Cause it, cause that way. And I, and I get it. Like, it's helpful. You need to let people know who you are and what you do and how you do it. And you have like two sentences to pull it off and it's challenging. Right. And it's like, I'm just tired of like, I work with uh, female entrepreneurs who regain their pizzazz in six months using my five uh, glitter covered whammy method, whatever. Um, And so I just, perhaps this is just an invitation to anyone listening is like, learn the rules so that you can break them. Right. It's like, there's, there are no rules as my buddy Traver Bohm always says. So like you could, you could be an empathy collecting anti-quitting word wizard and people will read that and be like, what the hell is that? Like, I want to read more about this guy. Right. Or you could be a, what did I say? A purveyor of fine silver linings. Right. So you can be creative and whimsical and, describe yourself in a way that both is accurate and authentic, but also curiosity inspiring, right? Where where it's like, what? Like, what's your deal? Like for my Instagram bio for like a year, I had rather than author, I just described myself as uh, energy company. So like, you know, you have to like choose your category or whatever. I was just like, huh, energy company. That's fun. Like, that's kind of what I am. And then I had zoo for a while. And like, nobody noticed, not a single person noticed, but I was like, fuck it. If someone doesn't know me and they come and they're like, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, zoo, like that just made me chuckle. And so I was like, if people like that, then they're my person. And if they don't, and they don't get it, then they're not. And like, well, I'm just saving everybody time right now. Um, So yeah, do it your way, do it your fucking way, because you are the gift, you are the treasure, you are the fucking prize. And People want to be around people like that. They don't want you crammed into the square-shaped 
fucking life that you're trying to make. Like be your damn self, like let your voice out, let your truth reign, like share your heart, stand up, take up space, be big. You know, I love it. I love it. It's so great. And, and I will say this, everyone can do it. And you're special in, in the fact that you've cultivated this playfulness and you really live in that space. Like I would love to do that. I am super serious. Like I don't want to be this serious, right? Like I want to be dancing on the, you know, pride float with, you know, feather boas and everything. Right. I told you that. So, so that's so aspirational for me, but I can also see that it would be like super scary, but that's why I love this idea of like, actually, I'm actually, thank you so much. Cause I'm actually going to start cultivating, like just every day, create a new sentence for myself for the day and, and yeah. see where that goes to open up that more playful part of me. That's, that's how it started for me. I was making business cards like five years ago. And I just wanted like, I pictured like a men in black card where it's just like, just my name. And then like, and then on the back, it's like a website or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. But like, what's my description? Like, is it going to say like coach or writer? And then I just brainstormed a bunch of random stuff. So it was like anti-quitting word wizard. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And I just wrote down a ton of ideas. And then I was like, you know, what's funny like, I'm just going to put fucking all of them on there. And then, so my business card that I had years ago, it's like a paragraph and it's basically the description that I just said earlier. And it's like a bunch of random stuff. And I'm like, fuck it. This is me. And this is how I want to do it. And if you're listening and like, that sounds completely unappealing and wrong, then perfect. Good. And like, do it your way, whatever version of that is. Maybe you are very straight laced and serious and formal and professional, then your brand needs to reflect that. And your one sentence description on Instagram, like needs to perfectly exemplify that. And in that case, maybe the, the thing that I was b- being snarky about is actually the best way forward. And it's super effective. It's like, I help business leaders 10 X their profit. It's like, right on. The point is that we all have our own Uh, identity and that the more that we can step into that creatively and wholeheartedly i believe the the more effective we'll be and the more impact that we'll have well i personally want to thank you i just always have so much fun with you and i really have enjoyed getting to know you over the past year so it's been awesome yeah yeah Thanks for having yeah. me. Tara, good to meet you. Yeah, Randy, thanks so much for being on. It was really, it's just uh, nice to connect with a like-minded soul. So definitely appreciate all your thoughts and wisdom. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown away because it's just got, got my wheels spinning all kinds of different directions. So um, you may or may not be hearing from me soon. Um, I'm just yeah. going to go ahead and drop that there. Cause I'm, I, like I said, you got the wheels going, so I'm very thankful Good. and uh, appreciative of your time. Yeah, man. Yeah. Send me a message or an email. Like Kim's got my email. Um, happy to help or assist or support how I can. Oh, so yeah, sure. keep, keep me posted. That. And, and then, uh, yeah, like proud of you three for pulling this off. Like I've never been on a podcast with three hosts, <laughs> uh, much less like three cohesive functional hosts that seem to enjoy each other's company. So well done on you for creating this. 
I mean, this is already like a unique thing. Yeah, so it's been a wonderful it. process. It, we we work well together, and it, it's it's so inspiring to have these kind of conversations because things come out of the conversation that I'm never expecting, and I learn so much from from these three yeah. and then people that we bring on. So, yeah, as the a, guest too, it's fun because you are so different. Where where you're like, I would like to interject here, and I'm like cool, let's see where this goes. And then he yeah. chimes in and it's like, oh, that's a totally different direction also. And you get such a varied conversation. I, yeah. I really found it fun. Yeah. Good. If this episode resonated with you or made you think about someone you know, please pay it forward and like, subscribe and share it. We appreciate it. Oh.